How are you doing this morning? Doing well? Yeah. I have to be up here because they do like the recording because we're fancy, but I'd much prefer to be down there. So forgive me for being so far away from you this morning. I'd much rather be down there with you. But uh, did you have a good Christmas? Yeah, was it a good Christmas? Good. You enjoyed your time with, with family and friends and good food and good times? Yeah? Awesome. Awesome. Good. Are you ready for the new year? That's the question now, right? It happens like so fast. Why can't they spread out the holidays like throughout the year, not like all in the end of the year? You know what I mean? We have to talk to them, whoever they are. So uh, I, I hope you had, I really do hope that you had uh, a good Christmas uh, with your families and that you're gearing up now for the new year. Let me ask, uh, how many of you are having pork and sauerkraut tomorrow? Anybody having pork and sauerkraut tomorrow? I thought about this. I actually thought about this. I know why. Because if you start with the worst meal on the first day of the year, it can only go up from there right? Because there's nothing better than dry pork, you know? Who doesn't love biting into a pork chop and having the moisture sucked out of their mouth? You know what I mean? So um, I guess that's a, it's a Pennsylvania Dutch thing. So if you're not from the area and you wonder what I'm talking about, it's, it's geographical. It's welcome to Pennsylvania, okay? Um, so hopefully you're gearing up here uh, for the new year. I know that... Um, as a church, we're looking forward to the new year as well. You've probably seen, uh, obviously, this screen here. It says, Take the Journey. As you came in downstairs, there was a sign that said, Take the Journey. We announced this two weeks ago. And uh, we're encouraging uh, you and all of us together as a church to be in God's word together uh, in the coming year. Not just in the coming year, but the rest of your life would be preferred. But we're going to start with a year, okay? So, uh, but what we're talking about specifically is there's a Bible reading plan as you leave by the Next Steps area. There's actually a little pamphlet there that has a Bible reading plan for you where you can read uh, five days of the week. It gives you the weekend to catch up. You can sign up online to receive daily reminders and those sorts of things as well. And we're inviting you to kind of take this journey with us as a church because we have a hunch or a sneaking suspicion that if we are in the word together as the church, that God can do incredible things. Amen? Do you believe that? If, there, if we're in the word together as a church, that we can consistently see God do immeasurably more, as Ephesians tells us, than we could ask, think, uh, or imagine. So I recognize that you could feel one of two ways about this. Maybe uh, you're the optimist and you're excited to take on this challenge, or maybe you're a bit more skeptical or seasoned in life, maybe. And so you realize, I've done this before, it doesn't work, right? So just in case you're a little bit more intimidated or skeptical um, because you're considering the, the commitment involved, I want to challenge all of us a little bit just to check where our, our emotions or our, our feelings are, are at as we kind of make our way into the new year. So kind of want to camp out there for a little bit because the new year really does represent for us a great opportunity, right, to be introspective, to take inventory uh, of our hearts, okay? So it provides really an awesome opportunity for us to, to be a little bit more thoughtful and a little bit more intentional here at the start of the year. I know that more and more often as I 
go through the New Year holiday, all that sort of stuff. It just doesn't seem like it's, you know, I, I, when I was a kid, like I wanted them to actually drop the ball. You know what I mean? Like I want to see that thing explode. You know, they talk about how beautiful it is and how many crystals are. I don't care. I want to see that ball explode. The moment I realized they don't actually drop the ball was the moment I was out. You know what I mean? It's like, it's not a big deal, right? You go to bed, you wake up, it's just another day. It's how we could think of it. But uh, I just want to ask us to slow down here, be a little bit more intentional. And at least while we're here in church together this morning on Christmas, uh, Christmas Eve, I'm a week behind. Um, on New Year's Eve, to be a little bit more intentional, uh, to just check ourselves a little bit. And one of the questions I want you to ask yourself uh, this morning that perhaps you've not asked yourself before, um, but I want to ask you this morning is, do you have faithful feelings? Are your feelings towards God faithful? Right? I don't know if we typically would think in those terms because... I can't control my feelings. It's how I feel. I can't help how I feel. But that, that's not what God's word teaches us, right? Uh, that we need to actually develop um, faithful feelings, feelings of faithfulness uh, towards God. So as you contemplate your walk with God, just ask yourself this question. Are you genuinely uh, engaged in a loving relationship with your heavenly father? Do you genuinely have a relationship with him or are you just here because you know this is what you're supposed to do, right? This is just what we do. Because if, if you are, my guess is, I don't want to generalize too much, but if you're doing this out of obligation, like if you're just kind of going through the motions, you're not fooling God, right? And you're probably miserable yourself, you know, because you're trying to like, in your own strength, make it happen, and that gets exhausting. That wears you out pretty quick because your relationship with God should be filled with joy and with delight. You know, I mean, I, I, I guess I, I, I consider as we think back over the past year, it's really easy for us to think about how things maybe didn't go the way that we wanted them to go. But can't we reflect too that God is faithful? God has been so good. He's been so faithful that even if things didn't go the way that we want them to go, right? Uh, even if uh, decisions that we made didn't turn out the way that we thought that they were going to turn out, or if things didn't happen that we wanted to see happen, like, can't we at least admit to ourselves, God, you are faithful. Even when I'm not faithful, you're, so we have so much to celebrate is what I'm trying to say. And that your walk with God should be marked with feelings of faithfulness of genuine love uh, towards God. And so consider at least that your feelings are an indicator of the health of your relationship with God. So what we'll do throughout this message that we're looking at this morning is that we'll explore God's word, specifically this passage here in Jeremiah. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them to Jeremiah chapter 15. You're going and, and to wanna stay there because we're going to be looking at chapter 14 and chapter 15. Um, and I'll be pointing out some of those verses there. So it might be helpful for you to stay there. But as we look at this passage together uh, this morning, we're going to be talking about how we can develop these faithful feelings, especially as we're on this journey together. Because I can promise you when you're slugging it out through numbers, it's going to be a struggle. Okay. 
when you're in Leviticus and you're like, what the heck does that even mean, right? That's where it gets to be like, this is a little bit of a challenge, right? And we want you to like faithfully endure to the end. We don't want you to run out of steam, okay? So we're going to read this verse together again um, from Jeremiah chapter 15, verse 16. Um, This is the word of the Lord. Your words were found and I ate them. And your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart, for I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. The reading of God's word, amen. So this verse will actually become for us the theme verse during this Take the Journey initiative. And when we read it, the concept of relating to God's word this way might seem foreign to you, right? You read these words from Jeremiah and you think, man, I wish reading God's word was like that. But when I open God's word, I'm confused or I don't get out of it what I think I'm looking for. Right. And so maybe that's kind of your concern as you take on this challenge or or maybe you're excited to develop these kinds of feelings uh, towards God and towards his word. And regardless uh, of Wherever you're at in that part of your journey, what I want to do is I want to zoom out, right, from this passage a little bit so that we can gain an accurate uh, understanding of what's going on in the mind of Jeremiah when he says these words. What's going on in his life as he speaks these words to God? Because my guess is it's probably not what you think, right? Because this verse, as we read it, this singular verse, would look great on a coffee mug, right? And actually, we did that. (laughs) So for those of you who signed up, you're going to get a coffee mug. Um, Commercial break, okay? You watch YouTube, you get those ads every like couple minutes. So this is our our ad, right? You can pay more in your tithes and offerings if you don't want ads during the message. (laughs) That was clever, right? That just came to me. (laughs) Uh, So this verse would look really good on a coffee mug. We did do that. Um, But there's so many verses like that in scripture, right? That we just take out of context. Psalm 23, what a great coffee mug sort of verse. Jeremiah 29, 11, right? All of these verses that we read uh, in scripture that we just kind of lift from the the word of God and we don't really consider um, the depth of what it means. And there's a lot, I promise you, uh, going on as we read this verse, Because this verse is actually found in a section of the book of Jeremiah where he is complaining to God about God. Have you done that before? He's actually complaining about God to God because Jeremiah uh, had a challenging life. If you've ever studied the prophet Jeremiah, he had a really difficult life, genuinely. It was... He had a tough call on his life. He was actually called to be a prophet from birth. That in his, in his mother's womb, we're told in Jeremiah that God chose him to be a prophet. And Jeremiah, his life was like a roller coaster because it spanned the final years of King Josiah, you know, the good king. It, it spanned the, the final years of King Josiah's reign before he died in battle all the way up and through the early years of Babylonian captivity. So like the highest of highs to the lowest of lows. Our life is like that sometimes, right? We have those mountaintop moments 
filled with the valley kind of moments. Well, for Jeremiah, it was like Mount Everest and the deepest part of the ocean, right? That's what it was like for, for Jeremiah, right? He experienced really high highs and really low lows. Despite significant religious reform underneath of King Josiah's reign, the country, Israel, like they did so many times, slipped back into patterns of godliness that were actually connected to King Josiah's grandfather, Manasseh, the most evil king in Israel's history. They went back like a, like a dog eats its vomit, right? That's what they did. They went back to uh, a life of ungodliness and, and of idolatry. And then Jeremiah himself uh, actually was a descendant, likely, of a deposed line of prophets that come from King Solomon's day. So Jeremiah was a nobody. The best way to picture Jeremiah is as a small town pastor with a tiny congregation that didn't like his preaching. That's tough. They were all critics, and he had to listen to every single one of their voices because he couldn't avoid them. Actually, if you look at Jeremiah's life, there's only, if you look in the book of Jeremiah, it only seems like he had two like faithful converts during his ministry, right? Not very successful by our standards today, right? He had uh, a foreigner was one of them. And then Baruch, the one who helped him actually pen the words of the book of Jeremiah. And so Needless to say, Jeremiah lived a really difficult life. The message that he was sent by God to preach, we can actually read about in the same chapter that we're in, in Jeremiah chapter 15, verse 3. Uh, it says that I will appoint over them, this is God speaking, this is the message, Jeremiah is the mouthpiece of God. Uh, God is saying, I will appoint over them four kinds of destroyers, declares the Lord the sword to kill, the dogs to tear, and the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth to devour and destroy. What a message. <laughs> I'm glad I'm not Jeremiah, right? I'm glad that I'm not sent with this message, right, that Jeremiah was sent with, which the people of God did not want to hear. They did not want to hear. They wanted to hear what the false prophets had to say. They wanted to hear what their itching ears, what they wanted to hear, right? They wanted to be satisfied with what the prophet was speaking. And yet here's Jeremiah sent with this message of God's judgment. And despite the dire circumstances, uh, God instructed Jeremiah not to pray for the people. That's shocking, right? He instructed Jeremiah not to pray for Israel because at this point in Israel's history, they were deemed too far gone. God was going to carry out his judgment. He was going to winnow the people of God, the people of Israel, and he was going to thin them out. So that way he could preserve a faithful remnant that would come from, that, would, uh, that the Messiah would come from the line of that faithful remnant. So, this is the world that Jeremiah lives in. This is the message that he's sent by God to preach and to share. And he is not liked, needless to say. And he's told by God not to pray for the people. So what does Jeremiah do? He prays. He intercedes for the people of God, even though God tells him not to pray. You can actually read about this in chapter 14. 
the chapter right before the chapter that we're in. If you look at the heading of chapter 14, it, it indicates that Jeremiah did exactly what God told him not to do. God, uh, Jeremiah prayed and interceded uh, for Israel. And he offered a flawless prayer that by any stretch you would think would move the heart of God. Like every word, everything he said was, it was a beautiful prayer. However, God rebukes Jeremiah saying in chapter 15, verse one, that even if Moses or Samuel prayed, he would not listen. So you could imagine how discouraging this must be for Jeremiah. He actually gets so low that he wishes he was never born, essentially rejecting the call of God on his life. And this teaches us a really valuable lesson, at least in my opinion, about prayer. Although God uh, invites us to pray, to ask, and to petition him, we cannot manipulate God into doing what we want him to do by praying better. We actually believe that, and that's, that's superstitious, right? That's more about your good works and your ability to pray than it is about God and his sovereignty, when you pray, it's not so much moving the heart of God as much as it's moving your heart to become like God. You're developing a relationship with God when you pray. And I know that you think maybe, in our, we think in our minds that it's like making God do what we want, but actually it's causing us to learn how to do what God commands of us to do in scripture. It changes us, right? So we see this really uh, difficult picture of Jeremiah struggling, struggling with the call that God has placed on his life, right? And, and struggling to be faithful to what God called him to do, and yet struggling because he wants to see something different happen. And so what we get actually is a glimpse into the mind of a prophet, offering us encouragement, right? Not because of the circumstances that Jeremiah faced, but because of the emotional struggle that Jeremiah experienced. This is one of the reasons I love God's word. It's so raw. It's so real. Because how many of us have been there and we didn't know what to do with these emotions that we're feeling? Anger or bitterness or resentment or frustration towards God. It's like, where do I go with these feelings? What do I do with this, you know? And, and we have the word of God to show us what to do with, and God gives us that. He, he saw fit to include in scripture this like window into Jeremiah's mind so that way when we encounter spiritual depression, we know what to do about it. And that we actually have a place to go with those feelings and those thoughts and emotions. We can actually take those things to God, but then God provides, and you'll see as this uh, story develops, we'll see that God provides a way back for Jeremiah to once again develop these feelings of faithfulness towards God. But man, so thankful for God's word, allowing us to peer into the mind of Jeremiah in this moment. So it's in the midst of, of this that we actually encounter uh, the passage that is the theme verse for the Take the Journey initiative that we're in. And at this moment that we come across this verse, what we see is Jeremiah is actually feeling nostalgic. He's thinking back to the days when he first came to God, right? He's remembering what it was like when he first uh, put his faith and his belief in Christ, right? Sort of thing. 
And you remember that, right? That's why you, listen, I don't know if I should say this, but I'm gonna say it. That's why you love the songs that you love because those are the only songs where the Holy Spirit moves, right? Because that's when God moved my heart, you know? That's why that happens. It's nostalgic for us, right? We remember back, we remember where we were, the church that we were attending, the people that we were with, the songs that we sang, because that's when the Spirit of God was moving. Can I tell you, God's moving today too. And he's working the lives of young people and in this generation, and he's doing a new thing, right? So yes, I mean, I love to sing those songs from the 90s. My goodness, I love them, right? But man, I'm such a dork, you know? <laughs> I'm such a, and so I, I, I get it, but that's what's happening in the mind of, of Jeremiah here. He's remembering back. He's remembering back to those, to those days where uh, he discovered God's word, where the word of God was found, back when King Josiah was on the throne, before they were being taken away into captivity, before uh, God was using Babylon to destroy Jerusalem. He's remembering back to the glory days is what, is what is happening here in the mind of Jeremiah. He says, your words were found, right? And for many of us, as we open up God's word this year, it'll be the first time that we open up God's word in this capacity and we read it from cover to cover. That's gonna be a really powerful experience for many of us. And for those of us who have read God's word like that before, we recognize every time we open God's word, we see something new. It's this lifelong discovery process of finding new things in God's word and being made more and more into the likeness of Christ. It's incredible. God's word is alive. It's alive. It's living. It's active, right? That's what we read. There is no other book like the word of God. And that's what Jeremiah is saying. That's what Jeremiah is reflecting on. He says that I ate it up. I ate them. Jeremiah couldn't get enough of God's word. He consumed it eagerly. There's no better way to experience God's word than to swallow it whole, to allow it to be digested, to meditate on it, to metabolize it so that it fills your spiritual body with fuel and energy, right? Like that's what we do when we read God's word. It's a transformational experience for Jeremiah. It's a transformational experience. It ought to be for us that results in joy and delight. The discovery and consumption of God's word produces joy and delight and it changes the way that we talk. That's what is happening for Jeremiah. He, he begins to say, for I am called by your name. You know, every time you cry out to God as father, you're not just saying who he is. You're also saying who you are. Because who calls God his, their father? His children. When you say father, you're saying, I'm your son. I'm your daughter. You don't even realize it, but you're owning him as your father. That's what Jeremiah is doing here. He's saying, I'm walking in the calling and the purpose that you've given me. O Lord, God of hosts. There is this glad acceptance and surrender to who God is and the recognition of who he is. This is what occurs when you drink deeply of God's word, when you dig the well, I call it. That's what you're doing. Every time you open God's word, you're digging a well. And you're digging it deeper every time and you're filling that well with living water, as we'll see in just a moment. 
So after uh, this nostalgic moment where we encounter a difficult circumstance, because this is what happens when we, when we drink deeply of God's word. This is our experience. But what happens when it goes wrong? When we open God's word and we feel numb and we think it's not working for me. What happens when we open God's word and, and, and we're forced to feel like I don't get it. I don't understand it actually. I don't, I don't quite understand what you're trying to communicate to me here, God. What, what happens when we're forced to reconcile the competing realities of what God's word says versus what our circumstances say? After this moment, we encounter that reality. We encounter Jeremiah's reality. And he says that even though he's had this experience with God's word, transformational experience, he fears that God is gonna fail him. He's afraid that God is gonna let him down. Actually, in the following verse, right after this verse, he says, why is my pain unceasing? My wound incurable, refusing to be healed. Will you be to me like a deceitful brook, like waters that fail? God, are you gonna let me down? Because it sure feels that way. Even though earlier in Jeremiah chapter two, he refers to God as being the spring of living water. So what is it, Jeremiah? Is he a deceitful brook that fails or is he the spring of living water? You see, we can know in our minds, but not know in our hearts. We can know the Sunday school answer of, you gotta pray and read your Bible, right? But we cannot know in our hearts at the level of belief of devouring and accepting God's word into our lives, right? We can know in our minds, but not know in our hearts. And that's what you see happening here. There's a battle taking place in the mind of Jeremiah. He knows what God's word says, but his circumstances cause him to doubt and his feelings, his unfaithful feelings are causing him not to believe what is true about God. There are many scriptures that refer to God in the capacity of being living water, a spring of living water. Not, not even, to, you could just go to Psalm 1, right? Which refers to a man who delights in the law, being like a tree planted by streams of water. And now here, Jeremiah is questioning if God is failing him. So I'd ask you to consider, have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt that way about God? I know I have in my own life and in my own walk with God. And the worst part is we're so good at justifying why we feel that way. As if the voice of our emotions and our feelings are more true than God's word is, right? We need to like put a muzzle on, on, on the voice <laughs> that, we, that we speak, like that, that conscious, like that, that's, not, that's not being captivated by God's word. We need to put a muzzle on those things and give the Holy Spirit a loudspeaker in our lives, right? And even though our feelings are telling us one thing or speaking to us in one way, we need to allow what is true of God's word to, 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 to be rebuked by God's word, essentially, corrected by God's word, so that we can learn how to develop faithful feelings. But how do we reconcile these competing realities, the reality of what God's word says and the reality of what our circumstances say? Jeremiah develops these feelings, these unfaithful feelings, trying to do this, trying to reconcile uh, what is happening with the way he thinks things ought to be. His plan versus God's plan. 
And he begins to rebel. At the heart level, he begins to rebel and become skeptical about God. He starts to get bitter towards God, convinced God there's got to be a better plan. And what you see developing is, is God revealing to Jeremiah that there's two loves in your heart. You love the world and you love me. And that's not possible. You're, you're cheating on me. You're being unfaithful to me. You come in on Sunday and you feel good when you raise your hands and worship, but you go out on Monday and you live completely different from who you are in the pew. You're trying to have it both ways and you're wondering why this Christian walk thing isn't working the way that you thought that it should. It's because you got your foot on both sides of the fence. No wonder you're not experiencing the joy and the delight of God's word. It's because you're listening to the world's voice and you're listening to God's word and you're trying to bring those, through to get, those things together and you're putting them on the same level when we need to shut those voices down and we need to lift up the truth of God's word as superior, as, 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 as first and foremost in our lives over above any other voice, right? But we slip back, don't we? We fall back into to that pattern. And that's what we get to see here. We get to see Jeremiah doing that. And if he's a prophet doing that, I mean, for goodness sakes, who are we, right? So he has these competing loves in his heart and God is helping him see that. And hopefully God is helping us see that this morning because what that is is unfaithfulness to God. And I know the temptation that we all face. Who could blame him? Especially after everything he's been through. Perhaps you feel that way too. I mean, God, can you really blame me? after all the loss that I've experienced, after all of, uh, I've been to church, you know how many times I've been to church this year, right? God, I've been so faithful to you and now you're not doing what I want. I've been on my best behavior as if God is Santa Claus, right? As long as I've got the right behavior, God should do what I want him to do instead of allowing him to be God. So we recognize two key things in this experience with Jeremiah. First, Jeremiah is wrestling in the right place. He's wrestling in God's presence. Whenever we're struggling, we need to learn to wrestle in God's presence. If you recognize this morning that you have these feelings of unfaithfulness, or if you have this suspicion that God is going to let you down, or if you're hedging your bets and you're trying to stay in control of your life in one area because you're afraid that God is going to disappoint you, you need to learn how to wrestle in his presence. Why suffer in silence? You're not going to figure it out on your own, I promise. You never have. It's like this endless puzzle, right, that you play with yourself, thinking back through the events and trying to see if I could have done things different or worked it out different or, right? Don't suffer in silence. Take your complaint to God. That's why he gave us examples of people like Jeremiah or Job or the psalmist. For goodness sakes, there's a book of lamentations. If you're upset, could you just tell him? Take your complaint to God. Just be sure to wrestle in the right place. Don't suffer in silence. Take your complaint to God so that he can begin to speak into what's going on in your life. Because we see that happening. Jeremiah offers his complaint to God and then God speaks to Jeremiah, right? And we're gonna read that in just a moment, but we see something else beginning to happen. 
Because no matter how strong your feelings are about your circumstance, you need to recognize your feelings are wrong. (laughs) They are. Your feelings are not your God. Maybe for my three-year-old, but not for a 33-year-old. But man, I love to throw a temper tantrum, don't I? You do the same thing, right? And that's like how we relate to God sometimes. We throw these temper tantrums and we, we get upset allowing our, our feelings to, to control us because consider God's response to Jeremiah then in verse 19. What does he say? He says, if you return, if you repent, if you correct your thinking, I will restore you and you shall stand before me. If you utter what is precious, if you speak the truth and not what is worthless, you shall be as my mouth. God tells Jeremiah what he already knows. Jeremiah, you're lying about me. You're lying about my character. You're not saying what is true. You are speaking worthless words. We do the same thing. We do the same thing. We believe a lie more often than we believe the truth of God's word. God confronts Jeremiah's unfaithfulness and draws him back to himself, giving him the opportunity to repent and to restore him back to usefulness. God corrects his negative thinking and tells him to get his feelings in check, to correct his feelings of unfaithfulness and make sure that what he's feeling is in line with the word of God. There's so much more that we could say as we look at this passage. But I want you to understand and catch that God is speaking to Jeremiah all along and he's helping Jeremiah understand, I know better than you. My ways are not your ways, nor your thoughts, my thoughts, right? Because God loves his people more than Jeremiah does. How do I know that? Because in chapter 31, turn in your Bibles, Chapter 31, verse 33. This is what God says to Jeremiah, who's throwing a hissy fit, throwing a temper tantrum. He says to Jeremiah in chapter 31, verse 33, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. We're living in those days. You realize that, right? We are living in the days of God's fulfillment to his promise that he made Jeremiah. We're living in the days where God promises to write his law on our hearts. That's why when Jesus ascended back to the throne, he said to the disciples, it's better that I go because if I go, then the helper can come. God has filled us with his spirit. Man, I get excited about this because what you see here is Jeremiah in the southern kingdom struggling he stays in Jerusalem. He's actually taken away by the, it's, it's a, such a funny story, actually. Not really funny, it's tragic, but he's taken away. He ends, up, he ends up being taken away to Egypt. 
But while that's happening, Ezekiel is a prophet in the northern kingdom of Israel, and he sees uh, the presence of God hovering above the temple, right? It's that crazy picture you get in the book of Ezekiel where it's the wheel within a wheel, and it, I can't even imagine it, right? But really what you see happening is the Spirit of God leaves and doesn't return until Acts, when the Spirit of God descends on the church and puts his spirit in his people because God does not dwell in a temple made by human hands. You and I are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are walking and living in those days. We are filled with the spirit where God is actually causing us to want and to desire to live for him. So that's why I'm telling you, check your emotions, check your feelings. Are they feelings of faithfulness? Because if not, remind yourself of the prophet Jeremiah. Get your emotions in track and be reminded that God has fulfilled his promise through his son, Jesus Christ, and he's filled us with his spirit so that we can actually desire to do the things that he's commanded us to do in scripture. Amen? We serve a good God. I love the way the book of Jeremiah ends. It's such a cool picture because they're in captivity. And King Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, this formidable force, unwittingly invites the king of Israel to sit at his table and to eat with him, which is a glimpse that God has already begun his work, preserving a faithful remnant through which the Messiah would come. We know his name. His name is Jesus. Amen. So I want to invite you to take a journey with us. And I love studying God's word. I hope that shows you can experience that for yourselves as well. It would be a lot of fun if you'd sign up, if you'd grab one of those pamphlets, tuck it in your Bible, and if we could encourage each other as a church to be in God's word together so that he can write his law on our hearts. Amen? Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you, God. I thank you for your word. It's so good. It's alive, it's active, it's on the move in our lives, Lord. It gets right to the heart of the matter. And so, Father, I pray that you would help reveal to us through the example of your prophet, Jeremiah, where we have developed unfaithful feelings towards you, where we doubt you, where we don't believe that you are who you say you are. Help us see where it is that we feel like you're failing us. God, reveal that to us, I pray, and help us to wrestle in your presence, God, so that we can receive your loving rebuke, so that way we can return to you and be used in your kingdom for your glory. God, you are so good. You are so faithful. Lord, you are not slow, as some would count slowness, but you are patient toward us, Lord, willing that none should perish. I thank you for your word. Lord, I ask your blessing upon it. In Jesus' name. Amen.